0: Hello everyone. Thank you again for joining me for another episode of Coffee with Yvonne, a show for creatives and entrepreneurs. We are really almost done with our season, which I is very hard to believe because I've been having so much fun chatting with you guys over coffee every week. And I just Am so grateful to everyone who has listened, shared, liked, followed, all that good stuff on the socials or just spreading the information about this show. So I just want to create, keep giving you great content to listen to. And I just want you to know that I really appreciate your support and continued feedback for helping me grow this podcast platform. So anyway, I hope that you had a great week. I'm not gonna lie to you, it has been the struggle bus for me, but I wanted to make sure that I was able to give you good content and be in a good space to record today. So grab your coffee and let's chat. But before we get started, we have to talk about our industry news segment, What's the Brew? And for those of you who are new, it is our segment in which we talk about the latest developments of what's happening in the industry from creativity to entrepreneurship. And this is brought to you by Black Nerd Coffee. Black Nerd Coffee is founded by two HBCU grads and is a Black-owned, women-co-founded e-commerce business. And as a small coffee roaster, they specialize in small batch roasted coffee and whole bean and ground finish. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook at Black Nerd Coffee. Coffee nerds unite. In our first story with Lizzo Liddy with yiddy that, w- that was a good play on words, wasn't it? Reported by Vanity Fair for... Lizzo, the singer, rapper, multi-happiness creative, she is releasing her first collection called Yiddy, which is a seamless shaping garments that are good for transitional underwear pieces to outerwear pieces. And the great thing about this is she is thinking about women no matter what size they are and flipping the idea of sizing on its head with sizes ranging from 6X to extra small. Now, I know you're thinking, shouldn't it be extra small to 6X? No. She's doing kind of what Rihanna did, was starting her shades from darker to lighter. So she is prioritizing the larger sizes first and then working her way down. collection will debut three different styles. One is Nearly Naked, two will be Mesh Me, and three will be Major Label. And they'll also come in fun colors like temple Lavender, Moody Bitch... And the great thing is too, that she is keeping size inclusivity in mind with the way that she's doing her creativity and promotion. This will be in partnership with Fabletics. If you guys are unfamiliar, Fabletics makes really great leggings for everyday wear. In the press release introducing the brand, Lizzo said, instead of thinking about the size in this linear way, we're thinking about it on a spectrum where everyone is included. Everyone's size is not just their size. It's not high. It's not low. It's not big. It's not small. It's just your size. And our next story, E-40, the rapper, launches Goon with a Spoon food products. This was reported by Complex Magazine, and the rapper turned entrepreneur recently launched his food brand, Goon with the Spoon, rolling out ice cream as his first product. Ooh, that sounds good. His ice cream will debut six flavors, cookie dough, bourbon vanilla, vanilla bean, strawberry, mint chocolate, and salted caramel. And in a statement, he said that ice cream has been four years in the making, but the vision is now a reality through an Instagram post. According to the official press release, the rapper's ice cream will be made with solar power. Oh, that is dope. And without the artificial growth hormone, RBST, which is often found in dairy. Now, for my lactose intolerant folks, this might be good for us because, you know, ice cream is a struggle. It's a struggle. In our final story, or what I would like to call telling our story our way, this was reported by Because of Them We Can, television and film veteran Tammy Williams is now the owner of Cinema South Studios a new studio in the works in Atlanta's Fayette County. She is making her story as the first known Black woman majority owner of a major production complex in the state of Georgia. And to give you some backstory, this means that she's creating her own production company. So filming like movies, TV shows, having a soundstage, all that good stuff pretty much what Tyler Perry has done already with his Tyler Perry uh, Productions, I think it's called. She's created her own women-founded, Black women-founded version of that in Georgia. So recently it was announced last July that this $135 million project, ooh, that's a lot of money, is being currently built out and will help provide opportunities to others in the industry who are minorities or looking to... You know, work in production outside of the traditional space of like an LA. I'm really looking forward to seeing this. I do think there needs to be more inclusivity in this space. A lot of times when we see production studios, we don't see a lot of us who are behind the scenes. So the growth of seeing people behind the camera who are the decision makers is super important to making sure our stories are told in an accurate and fair way. Depiction. So for this week's interview on Coffee with Yvonne, I sit down with one of my closest friends, Rachel Bishop. I've known Rachel, oh my gosh, for almost 20 years. We met freshman year of college on the second floor of Whiteford Hall at McDaniel, and we have been friends ever since. And those kind of friendships are not easy to come by, especially as you get older and life takes you in different directions. But Rachel and I have remained close friends throughout the years, and I wanted her to be on the show because she is an interior designer. She works more in the, I would say, commercial real estate space, hospitality, that kind of thing, if that makes sense. But I wanted to bring her on to share her experience, to share how she is not only growing in her own professional career but she's advocating for others in this space as well to build opportunities for minorities for women so please enjoy the interview with one of my dearest friends rachel Morning you ready squirrel as ready, you ready? As i guess i'm, I'm sorry gonna be. you're rachel on here you're not squirrel you're rachel you're coming back my profession name
1: Rachel, I, A.
0: My yes, government this, name. Your government. You're not Rach or Squirrel at this moment. You're Rachel Bishop. Okay. All right. Okay. Are you ready? Hi, good morning. Okay. Yes, I'm ready. Okay, let's do this. All right. <clears throat> okay, so as I mentioned, I am interviewing one of my college friends. I've known her. Rach, it's been, what, 13 years we've known each other? I can't do math, probably. Okay. I can't do <laughs> I need my calculator. <laughs> so, Rachel and I have known each other since freshman year of college, where we met on the second floor of Whiteford. <laughs> oh, you remember the name of our building? Day. I remember that day to a T. But yeah. I have her on the show today because she is an industry professional in interior design. She moved out to the West Coast of, how has it been, five years now? Four or five years?
1: It'll be six in July.
0: Whoa, not six. Yeah, I'm almost. Back, so yay. hmm oh, I'll leave that one alone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Rachel, let me read your bio to make it official. Okay. And just to let you know, those who are listening, this is probably going to be the loosest interview I've had so far because of the history I have with Rachel. So <laughs> don't expect anything super duper professional. It's just literally two friends who have known each other for almost eight 20 years talking on a podcast. Okay. Rachel Bishop received a Master's of Interior Design from the George Washington University in Washington, DC and a Bachelor's of Arts from McDaniel College, go Green Terror, in (laughs) in Maryland, (laughs) starting her career on the East Coast in Baltimore and Washington, DC area. She gained experience in designing high-end and senior living communities around the country. Her passion for design continues to grow as she collaborates with others to bring cohesive ideas to life. Rachel is drawn to sustainable design that helps to inspire healthy lifestyles. She also finds that all good designs should stand the test of time while celebrating nature. It is Rachel's goal to make a difference, to design the greater good of humanity and bring com- communities together. Seattle's progressive spirit seemed to be the perfect fit, so she made her way out west to join the her team, Rachel enjoys exploring the outdoors. She really does, and all that, <laughs> and all that the area of Seattle has to offer. On rainy days, you can catch her binge walking, binge watching documentary movies, in a yoga class, namaste for her best days, or cooking a new recipe she found on Pinterest. Rachel really can cook. She fed us during our college years. So, you know, I did not pick up on none of that during her college years. But anyway, I like throw down she does. Welcome to Coffee with Yvonne, Rachel. Yay. Thanks for having it. me, Bonnie.
1: Hugs
0: That's from fine. a distance. Hugs from a I distance. I know. She says, Okay. Okay. So we're gonna have our chat today. Um, and just to let you know, those who are listening, I didn't dress up for Rachel because we've been friend married for so long. We don't need to put on <laughs> airs. We're just here. We are just we, bo- here. we both have on bonnets. <laughs> You I got hair you know, <laughs> Rach. For a lot of us, the only exposure we really have to HD to interior design is watching HD TV. Me included, because okay. I I sort of know what I'm doing, but thankfully I have style, so it's not that hard. So, anyway, can you please briefly describe what interior design is in both the professional instance and then what your personal description of interior design is?
1: Yeah, sure. So by definition, interior design is the art of science um, of enhancing the interior of a building so you can achieve healthier and more aesthetically pleasing environments for people to use, uh, is the formal definition. But what I like to add to that is design isn't just spaces that people think of as your home. It goes beyond the house. Um, people fail to realize that interior design can also be the interiors of airplanes. It can be uh, airports. It can be um, yachts and boats and uh, office spaces and multifamily living spaces, libraries, mm. education. So it goes beyond the house. Any any space that you find yourself inside of in any building is interior design, interior architecture. And with that, there's a lot of um, connection between architecture itself, landscape, other types of um, GCs and consultants that all need coordination to kind of bring the space and the buildings together. So it's a lot of parts and pieces to happen.
0: No, oh, that's very Sorry. cool. Because I know for me and my full-time job, I work in commercial real estate, for a company here in the DMV. And a lot of people don't realize when you are doing the build out for the spaces at these stores, whether it's a large square footage or like a a big store, it requires a design layout for how the store will look down to even the fixtures that are used for the business. So that's good to know because I was actually limited in my own perspective. I didn't learn that until I found out from you (laughs) and watching your work. And I was like, oh, that's, that's interior design?
1: Yvonne, like you're doing a lot of marketing and branding, like design, even from the jump, there is a story that has to be told and there's a client behind the story. And with that comes a lot of branding for the space. So we also have to consider like, okay, where where is this coming from? The way this space looks, it's normally coming from a client that has a brand. And so we have to convey that brand through design in some way.
0: And see, that makes sense, too, because a lot of people tend to like blend in our industries together. But I say all the time that marketing, PR and also interior design, they're cousins. They're not sisters. Mm-hmm. You know, they work together, but they have their own skills and talents that they bring to the table to bring the overall story to life. Yeah, I know that you have to have a combination of skills from creativity to math, which God knows I hate that part of my job. <laughs> the <laughs> math. Work. I sit there with my little calculator, like carry the one plus two. okay. But it- well, you and me both, I'm not
1: I you know I'm not good at math.
0: But for those who are like interested in studying interior design or maybe like pivoting to your industry, what kind of skills should they have or should they be like building already in their personal portfolio? And is there like An educational requirement or even a certification they should get. I know you have, I know you have (laughs) one that I'm so proud about. Go ahead. (laughs) Uh,
1: yeah. So in interior design, like you can't just jump into the the industry and say, hey, I want to do interior design. Here's my resume, or you know, I have no experience. Can I somehow get a job? It doesn't quite work like that. So you do have to have either like an associate's, a bachelor's, or master's in the profession itself um, to get actual schooling for it. Um, And then follow like a curriculum. A lot of jobs they prefer that you have CIDA um, under your schooling, which basically is like a curriculum base that they know that will follow industry standards. So if your school isn't necessarily CIDA certified. I don't know if the employers kind of take that as seriously. So when you look for schools, you kind of want to make sure that you find that um, associated to the school. And then when you finally get your uh, degree, you'll go ahead and you'll apply and you'll be able to get a job, obviously. And then with that, you'll build a lot of uh, technical skills. So you're using the computer a ton. Like when I got into this industry, I thought, oh, you know, HGTV, right? We're going to be in people's homes. We're going to be always walking around and like going on site and like, you know, dictating to the um, consultants and um, GCs what to do. Like, it's not like that at all. You're literally, it's in an office. I would say about 80% of the t- your time is spent in front of a computer and you're going to be doing lots of computer generated um, programs. There's programs called like Revit and CAD, which does all of our um, construction documentation. And like, we use it also for rendering. We render a ton um, and just a lot of technical work. We use a lot of like Adobe suite. So you really have to have strong skills in um, graphic design um, and just the whole suite. So Photoshop, Illustrator. um, We don't use a ton of Word or anything like that, but we do use Excel. Um, So basically any computer (laughs) program under the sun is we use it.
0: I mean, I also yeah. think too. You have to have a good creative eye, you know. Oh yeah, soft like, skills for yes. sure. You that's, have. To. That's not a soft skill to me. Sometimes people just <laughs> they say that they work in interior design, and then you look at their work and like, are you sure?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, well, this is the thing though. Like, people can be decorators all day long. Your mom, your aunt, your cousin—like anybody can be. Like, yeah, I've been to come and do your house, decorate your house, <laughs> and nothing against decorators are great too, but. Uh for design, like there's a specific, like I said, curriculum that you stand by certain standards that you have to learn, and it does get very technical. So um
0: yeah I'm laughing because like it sounds a lot like what I go through in my industry. People think that marketing is like, oh, she just like slaps a post on social media and it happens, no, no, no,
1: right. No, no. It's so different.
0: It's it's a lot of work involved behind the scenes and 80% of my job is sitting behind a computer and planning all day Mm -hmm. long. Like you build what I call mock-ups in my industry of how you want things to look. I sit behind a screen and I'm working with designers, um, different vendors and stuff like that to take what's living in my head and then do the process of building what's called a creative brief Mm
1: -hmm. in my
0: industry. And taking that Word document to making the actual visuals and actual plan, it's It's a lot of work, you know? And it's not something you can pick up from Googling on the internet and think that you're all of a sudden an expert. We Rachel, we studied. Oh
1: yeah. Really hard to get. You know I have blood, sweat, and tears literally.
0: Literal tears.
1: tears. Literal blood from cutting myself (laughs) with a knife, like all of it, all the night. Like no sleep for days. It's no joke. It's a very stress. It can be very stressful. Like, um, but To your point, other skills, for sure. Like we have to be problem solvers, like no other. Um, You have to know how to multitask because you're being given like a whole bunch of projects all at once. I'm sure you deal with that too. I can't tell you how important that is for us and for any job, really. Like you have to know how to communicate not only with your team, but with your client. Uh, You have to do presentations on a regular. Like it's very, very, very important that you know how to communicate verbally and written. So, like, um, making sure that that's a huge, um, strong,
0: strong suit. Yeah. And and you, you really, like, broke it down for those who are unaware of how much work it takes to be a creative, strategic creative in your industry and then also in my industry. So I think there's sometimes, and this is not on our question list, but just me being honest, there's a lack of appreciation for what we do. And there's often, I think this is in my question, but I could be wrong. There's often lowballing in what we do in terms of pay because people think it's a skill you could just pick up, but it's not something that requires education and knowledge. So I'm glad you clear that up. Mm-hmm. And also to quote Fat Joe yesterday's price is not today's <laughs> price. So That's just keep so that in mind, people. Yes.
1: <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a thing, man. It's like a movement in in our industry because we are architects and designers. We do not get paid what what we're worth and we put in a ton of hours. We will work and, and you know this, Fonnie. You will call me on the weekend or call me whenever. And I'm like, I'm working. What? How are you working? It's like 11 o'clock PM. Like, uh yeah, still going. Like, yeah, yeah our time is not
0: it's not a they, B- don't,
1: F- they, they don't value our time as, as much
0: to move on to my next question. One thing I really admire about you, Rach, is your clean aesthetic when it comes to designing the space. You focus more on textures than color. And I just want to know from your creative mind, so I can hire you to design my house one day, uh, what sources of inspiration do you tap into when you're creating your palette or even selecting pieces?
1: Yeah, honestly, I it's project-based, really. Like I was saying before, because we do so many different project types and I don't really have much experience doing residential design. I do more commercial design um, and hospitality design. It's hard to have one aesthetic. Uh, it's very driven by what the project needs, what the client wants, um, and what the story is that needs to be told. So a lot of times when we start a project, we have a concept that is umbrellas everything, architecturally, interiors, landscape, urban design, all of it if, if urban design is a part of the, the scope. Um, and from that, we piece together what makes sense. So everything that we do, whether it be putting a wall in a certain space, making circulation through a room, Um, Picking fabrics and rugs and lighting all has to be a part of telling this bigger story. So if that bigger story requires a clean aesthetic, then that's what we're going to do as a team. If it requires more of an eclectic sense to get a vibe that we want, then we'll go for more of an eclectic type of look. So I've learned over the years, it really isn't about me and what I like. It's about what's needed for the project. And then we can kind of build from there.
0: I love how I'm figuring out more and more, even though we've known each other for years, how our industries are so interrelated because everything Mm. you're saying is exactly what I go through when working on a project. I have to separate myself out of it and then think about what the client needs, but then sprinkle a bit of me in there to make sure visually, it gets across the finish, finish line of telling that overall story. Because mm-hmm. as you know, knowing me, you know, I love bright colors. I mean, yes. God, well. yes. We know this. Sometimes it's hard for creatives in your industry, in my industry, in, in any creative industry to separate themselves from the work. And then that's when creatives become too sensitive about the work that they're doing. And they're not looking at the overall picture.
1: That is so true. That is such a junior thing to do. And I still catch myself doing it now in my career. Sometimes, you know, you really do have to take yourself out of it. And I remember too, like first starting, we all love a good Pinterest board. We all love looking at the beautiful pictures on like, you know, interior magazine or online or whatever have you. Um, So to get that initial look that I wanted I would always like google these things and look and be like oh what's trending now and what can I kind of get little nibs from so I can put it in my project too and you learn that when you do that you lose a sense of the project in itself um so nowadays what I try to do is try to look at photography and look more at architectural details and like try to explode those Images in my head and figure out how can I piece this into the project, still make it look nice and, and current, but not where it's trendy or not where it looks like I just kind of grab something from another project and put it in and make it with you know my own, um, which is a very 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 thing, a very hard thing to do. I still struggle with it, but it, as you get older and involved in your career, it comes a little bit more easily
0: yeah i I've definitely shifted from my main references being like um Vogue magazine or this any other to now I reference more art you know mm-hmm. or like Beasts of Butler um Candy Wiley a pink Loman or some of my personal faves right now and now referencing more campaigns of what I've seen that I like, but if I need to like water it down, I pull pieces out that I like from those campaigns. For example, when I see like the Brandon Blackwoods or even Coach with their new creative campaigns are done very well. Um, I know that I have to remember, you know, their budget is not my budget. So (laughs) those are two different budgets. But there Mm -hmm. should be inspiration you can pull from there, even from windows when you walk past them at malls. There's inspiration everywhere. You just have to be open to different avenues outside of what you're used to. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's all a vibe.
0: honestly it's it's all a vibe it's all
1: a vibe you gotta convey
0: your vibe (laughs) convey your vibe and thinking about the projects we worked on what has been it could be more than one but what has been your favorite project to work on so far personal or professional
1: yeah so let's see I have two favorite projects I can think of kind of like off the cusp and I like them for a couple reasons first reason is. They both are kind of in line with my aesthetic, if you would like this to say, kind of with your previous question, what is your aesthetic? Um, I really love a clean line. Like you said, I love simplicity. I love using the deep textures. Um, and I also just love it when the interiors and the architecture can speak together and it's very um, unified and it just feels good. And so I could say, There's a project I work on here at where I'm at currently, GGLO. Shout out GGLO. Um, It's called called Fairview. It's in Toronto, Canada. And it's huge. It's massive. It's like, oh gosh, a a little mini city, if you will. It's like seven towers. So it's high-rise buildings, 26 floors each. We have amenity spaces galore. um, And then outside landscaping galore and what's so beautiful about it is they definitely because they're more of an east coast ish type of um firm which i work on the west coast that east coast vibe just came back into the building where it's a little bit more formal it's uh the the finishes are a little bit more rich um and there's just something about it that has an energy that feels new york and i love that i don't get to do that very often over here on the west coast um, and then the other project I really love is in Montana. Uh, it's a cute little small project where it's just like an amenity space and um, apartment and a fitness, and it's nestled within the mountains of Bozeman, Montana. Mm-hmm. And you have the whole mountain landscape around us because there's like nothing else there, and so it really is just super integrated into its setting. And again, the the finishes were fun because I got to use like um deep textures and we had like gabled ceilings and which gabled is similar to like an a-frame for okay, those okay, that so don't those know <laughs> <laughs>
0: um
1: yeah and, and just the overall interior again spoke a lot to the to the exterior so those are my favorite when I can really feel like all trades can come together and uh, it shows within the project
0: very cool. See, I love that you have different examples because I looked at your portfolio, very proud of you. Like, <laughs> Thank I was like look, you. look at my Rachel doing everything. <laughs> and and I just really think that your work a lot of times people don't realize when you walk into spaces who does what, you know, there's no sign in the lobby or on the building saying, Rachel Bishop helped to design this. Like, you yeah, know, you just don't know, but you know what you've done and to have references that you could be proud of says a lot. So very proud of you, Rachel.
1: Thank you. Yeah. It's definitely a team effort. I cannot take credit for all those spaces by myself by
0: no means.
1: It's huge teams that go into this.
0: Yes, but I'm giving you your flowers for the part that you played in it. You <laughs> <love your> flowers. <laughs> Thank you, but but what I was thinking about this too. I've did the math. It's almost been 16 years. I think that we've known each other, which is yeah. insane. So, yeah. me, you and Danielle, we call her midget. That's like <laughs> miles out the trio. Um, we should be celebrating our 20th year anniversary. I think when we turn 40. Yay! That's a perfect time. Oh my gosh, it's such a girl's trip. Girls trip, girls trip.
1: (laughs) Got lots (laughs) to celebrate.
0: (laughs) To see you grow as a creative and really dedicate yourself to your craft. I know at times, witnessing it firsthand, but I know at times it can be difficult to stay the course. So what keeps Rachel Bishop going and what still keeps you going? Because I know burnout is a real thing. I know (laughs) the pay is a struggle sometimes. And I also know that, you know, there's not a lot of there are companies where you can work, but companies that can foster your growth are harder to find, depending on what area you're in. So, Mm -hmm. you know, give me a behind the scenes. What keeps you going?
1: Yeah. I mean, like all of the above of what you just said, design is not easy. Uh, It can be tedious. It can be stressful, exhausting. You spend many, many hours doing this profession. So. What keeps me going a lot of times is just because design is so super collaborative and everyone on the team has their part to play uh, architecture, landscape, contractors, consultants, clients, whatever. We rely on each other to really bring our A game to the table, to really bring the project together and make it the best that it can be with the parameters that we're given. So I never let, never ever let let myself give, um, let people down. I hate letting other people down because if I let them down, I feel like I let myself down. So I'm really in it really just to make sure I'm a team player and can really give them what they need from me. And that really motivates me and drives me to do my best work all the time. Whether I'm tired or not, I know that I have other people relying on me to get this done. And I don't want to be a failure, especially in our industry and especially with what you're probably going to ask next about just minorities, you want to go the extra mile so you're not the one being a slacker because, you know, it's not a good look. So that that honestly keeps me going. I know it's not probably the most glitzy, glammy type of answer, but it's the truth.
0: <laughs> no, and I appreciate your truth because I know, again, seeing your progress and seeing how hard you hustled for it, I think people have to remember there has to be hustle in getting to where you're going. But at the same time, with that hustle comes a lot of sacrifice. You know, you sacrifice moving from the East Coast to the West Coast for the opportunity. You sacrifice the long hours in working, you know, on your job and and honing in your craft. You sacrifice getting your master's. You sacrifice getting your certification. Like, people don't realize the sacrifice it takes to be the best at what you do. Mm -hmm. And when you put that work in to be the best, there are days that you just sometimes go, you know what, maybe I should just quit my job, sell everything and go sell ice cream (laughs) on the seashore. Like maybe that should just be what I should do for a living. But then you see something from your industry that either sparks something in you again, or makes you go, I can do that, but I could do it better. And I know Mm -hmm. I could do it better. So Mm -hmm. Your your feelings are valid and you are right. My next question is about what you mentioned. And as someone person who's worked in dear God almost ten years of my God of being in marketing, <laughs> that's a long time. You're getting I, up there. I'm, I'm getting I'm the oh, I'm getting to be the OGs now, which is oh yeah. Insane. It's a weird
1: feeling, right? Yeah. It's a very mm-hmm.
0: weird Missy Vaughn, Yvonne, Missy Yvonne, Vaughn. If you call me Missy Vaughn one more time, I swear to God. But anyway, I could count on one hand, how many directors or executives I have worked for who look like me. In fact, the team I work on right now my full-time job is the most diverse team I've ever worked on from different walks of life and different experiences. Based on your own personal experience, which you kind of touched on, do you think your industry could do a better job at developing minority talent, whether it's women, women of color, or Black men and women?
1: All the above, 110%. Yes, capital Y-E-S. Because honestly, you said you can count on a hand. I can't even count on a hand oh, wow. how many professionals that I've worked with that have been in a leadership role. Now, people who are on like my level uh production, sure, I have maybe, again, a handful, but like leadership, I've never seen. And it's really, really sad. I know they're out there, uh, but they're very, very few and far in between. So, like, and maybe also it's because I'm here on the West Coast in Seattle, of all places. Like, we're not a huge, diverse city to begin with. So maybe when moving back to the East Coast, it'll be a little different. Um, But from my experience I've had so far, uh, no. There's nobody. I think we have like I've read a one percent um, design where women and women of color are within our industry. It's at a one percent.
0: So I went down. I had two percent, but yeah,
1: or, or two. Yeah, it, I know it's one, one or two because it. Still yeah, not it's high. Still,
0: still no. Not
1: no, high. no, not high. Not nearly high enough. Um. So yeah. Hmm.
0: But it it really makes me kind of sit back because my industry, it's 6% from entry level level to executive. So I see a bit more of myself, but Mm -hmm. not a lot. But to hear 1% to 2% is kind of like mind-blowing because that takes that five that I have in my hand and drops it down to maybe two, you know, at the most. Like out of a 100 people in the room, two of them might look like you or two Mm -hmm. of them might be a person of color or something like that. And it just shows... One, the work that needs to be done. And then two, creating the access to our industry. Because there's there's a lot of gatekeeping that goes into being a creative. Let's just tell the truth. Those doors shouldn't be closed for everyone if they have the talent. You mm-hmm. know, because a lot of times the talent of the person who walked in doesn't match the talent of the person you left out.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Amen so, to that.
0: So, you know, we, we could talk about that for a long time, but I would teach- get back to the east coast for us to have a real discussion
1: yeah i would love honestly i'm very curious to see how it changes um just because i i can feel the shift and the difference in culture out here uh versus back home so you're gonna have to ease me in bonnie like real slowly here i'm i'm a seattleite now so get me back into the dmv oh god it's gonna be a chore but we'll get there
0: you already know how to drive insane because dear god seattle driving scares me oh
1: god yeah, they, they're worse Dude, they drive fast
0: really fast i don't know how you did it. and then sidebar when we were driving on that mountain coming down from what was it mount rainier is that the mountain mm-hmm. we went to? Mm-hmm. my yeah. thighs still hurt but uh um, when we were driving down from that mountain i was scared for you i was like rachel you don't see the edge of that mountain it's and danielle scary. talking about
1: I wish I could drive so I can go around these curves. I was like, no, no, you're not. You're going to kill us all.
0: <laughs> the Do way, way she drives here now, no. Don't let her ever behind the wheel on the West Coast. No. But, but you you did bring up the whole 1% to 2% statistic. And I did find mm-hmm. out a little bit from the American Society of Interior Designers that it is about 1% to 2%. So from your perspective, what can Black creatives Uh, executives, even, you know, mentors do to encourage people to pursue a career in this industry. The last
1: two years during COVID and all of the protests and the riots and the Black Lives Matter movement have really kind of been the blessing in disguise for our industry, really, I'm sure across the board for many industries, but um, it really shook us as an industry and it really allowed and created space for individuals and firms to kind of take a more introspective look and reflect on you know aspects of the industry and how can we make it better and kind of really kind of look at ourselves in the mirror and be like, why are these numbers so low? You know, what what is it that we're doing? And so I know our firm um has been really, really active and good at it. And, and I know me and a couple other um colleagues have kind of gotten together and said, what can we do? Like we're the only faces here. There's only like four of us at the time. Um and we felt unheard and we felt like we needed to to do something. So we came together, wrote a letter to our principal, um, and kind of voiced our concerns about wanting to be sure that our voices were heard within the firm, and how can we get other people that look like us to kind of feel comfortable in that space as well. And so thankfully, for the people we work for, they were very um, open to having a conversation with us, and we were then able to onboard um, a diversity inclusion um, speaker to come to the office and start a, start the bigger conversation um, to the entire office about kind of next steps, how we perceive Black people within the workspace, kind of getting others engaged um, to understand, you know, the struggles that we have and that they're real and to acknowledge that and to understand that. Um, Because a lot of these conversations aren't had in a workplace, and it's super, super important. Mm -hmm. Um, So from those grassroots kind of initial things, we made a uh, team called JEDI, which is basically justice, um, equity, diversity, inclusion, which a lot of other interiors and architecture firms are doing as well. Um, And then having a committee and a board within the actual company itself, and having you know, monthly meetings to kind of just continue the conversation. Uh, We've gotten our HR involved. We've gotten other parts of the um, company involved. We've gotten our recruiter involved um, to really start to branch out and look at um, HBCUs, um, try to understand, you know, where we're lacking as far as women and making sure that we're hiring the right skill set, but then also making sure we're taking into account um the backgrounds and making sure that we are pooling from all different pools of people and that we're not sticking, you know, to our general white male um yeah mold talent. (laughs) So yeah, I mean that's one way that we've tried or I've tried to make a difference and it really has started to you know propel into something really much bigger than that. Um, there's for people who who aren't you know in the Jedi we have in our industry something called National Organization of Minority Architects so Noma they're a huge organization across you know the nation and they go by city so you could easily get involved with a Noma you know DC or a Noma Chicago or Seattle and um, they also have lots of um, organizations in um, programs to be a part of that kind of get the word out about minorities
0: very cool look at at you being the Ida B. Wells of of I see Rachel
1: no shout out to my my co-worker Simba he really took the spearhead on that yeah Simba's from Zimbabwe and he is amazing I gotta send you his link he does so many cool things He's he's done things in Zimbabwe. He's doing things here. He lived in New York, so he's got like connections there. I mean, this man, oh, he's he's doing it. I, he's he's amazing. He really did kind of start the whole thing. I was there to help. But yeah, he's great.
0: Very cool. Well, I I know that even when you're transitioning back to the East Coast, knowing you, Rachel, as quiet as it's kept, you're very much for progress You know and i know you'll continue to do that work even when you're here on the east coast like maybe inspire your next firm to create um a similar initiative you know if it doesn't exist so yeah super proud of you so for those who and i'm just gonna be transparent when it comes to hiring an interior designer what qualifications should you be looking for as a client to make sure you're getting quality work because I, I see it many times on my instagram people say that they're interior designers and that they do x y and z but then you look at before meets after and it's not giving what it's supposed to give so mm-hmm. what what should people be looking for especially when it comes to their home or mm. their you know office space that they're building out G- give us the rachel lowdown
1: yeah you know this is a tough question for me to answer just because again i'm not a residential designer so i don't know how pe- the process is of people finding designer um, for their house. Normally mm. what I do, we'll have a developer and the developer hires a firm. And so I'm kind of a built in within that package of when they hire the firm to do the work. So, but for, I would say, if I was in those, sh- if I was in those shoes and I was looking for a designer, I would want to make sure, first of all, that they were certified or had some type of educational background So you would definitely want to look to make sure they have like a bachelor's degree in interior design or in interior architecture. Um, And then definitely take a look at their portfolio. Uh, That's huge. Just to make sure that your design aesthetics match. Um, And then just make sure. And I would assume, too, if they're doing residential, they would have their own business. So see if they have a website and take a look at their website and kind of understand their business a little bit. And if you vibe with them, I mean, design is super personal, especially when you're getting into residential, you need to be able to like talk to your designer and, you know, be on the same page. So I yeah, mean, have a conversation.
0: That makes sense because uh, I think when I'm doing like any uh, freelance projects or things like that, you know, you do have to make sure you vibe with them. They are going to ask for examples of your work. And Examples of your work, no shade to anyone who has it, should not only live on your Instagram page. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it should live nowhere yeah. else, you know? Yeah, you need a professional,
1: like, portfolio. Yes. You're going to be showing people what you do. And if they're showing you your Instagram, then that's that's red flag number one. Like, no, that <laughs> we're not working with you then. That's not right.
0: It, it's, it's like, you know, for for what you said, the education matters, the, um, the vibe matters. And then also how do they handle projects? Like what's their project timeline? You know, you don't want someone who's going to be doing mm-hmm. work for you and they don't give you a timeline of when the projected deliverable should be executed. It should be clear and what they're going to do. And then how they're going to stay on budget mm-hmm. is more important because you don't want to tell them that your budget is like 15,000 and they go up to 35,000. Cause that's, more than double of what you plan on spending. So making sure also to not just in my space, but not to speak for Rachel, but in her space, having that budget clearly outlined of what the plan is. Mm-hmm. Because If it's not there, then they're just going to be freely free willy nilly out there. Um, at Ashley Ashley furniture or wherever you can, you know, go shop a showroom picking out a $30,000 couch. That's right. You know, and everything
1: needs to be contractual, like if you're not signing anything, then that's also not a good sign. That means that potentially they don't know what they're doing or what they're billing for, what the scope really is either. So, you know, you might be doing work for your friend, but you still have to make sure you keep it professional and have those contracts in place because things happen Mm -hmm. and everyone, everyone needs to be protected.
0: You should have receipts. So if you yeah. gotta take your your dearest friend to Judge Judy or Judge Steve Hart <laughs> because he has a show now, you gotta make sure you got receipts. Oh God.
1: Oh. You and those receipts, you're always talking about
0: receipts. Receipts <laughs> are a thing, Rachel. I don't care if they're email receipts. IG receipts or text message receipts and you know our best friend Danielle keeps receipts in her phone for days so she is the Ah, for years years. she She can't let go she cannot oh okay last question before we get into our quick fire questions okay now that you're coming back to the east coast which I'm sad for you to leave Seattle I'll just say that preface statement but I'm low-key excited to have you back (laughs) because it made me really sad I was like why but why I left why you left us why but I get it we get it we
1: get it it. bigger better things but I yeah I'm coming back don't you I know
0: it was hard you might get like the slow run motion hug when you come back
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking forward to it
0: Yay. Anyway, where do you see yourself growing in your career? Like, you know, I don't expect you to have a 10 year plan mapped out, but where would you like to go? Do you plan on developing your own interior design firm? Do you want to teach or even build your own, like, you know, line, whether it's like, you know, different tools and resources? Like, where, what does Rachel see for herself?
1: Well, I definitely don't want to open a firm. I will put that out there. Just because it is a lot of, um, I think it's a lot more involvement than I think people understand. Opening your own business is a lot. Not to say I will not want to do that one day. I just don't see that happening in the cards now. Um, but I will say this, to grow my career more, like I love aspect of mentoring people, especially junior staff. I'm in this really sweet spot, right? Eight years, 10, eight, 10 year experience range where you're not new, you're not green anymore, but you still have lots and lots to learn. So I love being in this, this space where I can mentor people and really kind of take on design roles and leads as like a leader within the industry and um, really kind of build on that and then learn right underneath like principles and kind of get their perspective, so I can start to delegate. Um, not that I don't delegate now, but I want more of that. I want to be able to kind of really guide people along and really hone in on on design as a as a whole. I don't know. So that's kind of where I am. And oh, oh I definitely want to continue with the whole Jedi and you know design inclusion. That's huge. It's a huge conversation out here. I hope it's a huge conversation on the East Coast. I'm sure it is. But I would love to continue to be involved with that and really kind of run that forward because that that needs to be done. Um, and that does take up a lot of time. So I would love to do that, too.
0: OK, very cool. Well, I appreciate your honesty with that, because having your own business is a lot of work. Person- yeah. Yeah. I mean, go, sorry, go ahead. (laughs) No, no, you're fine. But I I think the mentorship part is very important because from what we shared in our earlier part of the conversation, you know, we we have to reach one, teach one. It just longs short of it. And raising the marketing babies, what I like to call them on my end is important because you create the leaders of tomorrow and raising the interior design babies on your side is important because you get to teach them how to grow their perspective but In a way that's nurturing and that doesn't tear them down, yeah, <laughs> yay. yay, okay. These are our quick fire questions now. Mind you, Rachel, this has to come from the top of the dome, so there are no notes required for this. I swear, if you pick up your notebook, that you have this already pre written out. Close your <laughs> notebook, Rachel. You didn't know me, close your notebook. Oh, <laughs> uh, anyway. Okay. Quick fire questions off the top of the dome. It's just fun. So just don't overthink it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Rachel's a superhero now. I see you looking down at your notebook. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm
1: not. I swear. It's it's closed. See?
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. This proof. If you were a superhero, what powers would you have? Hmm.
1: Time travel.
0: Ooh, tell me why.
1: Yeah. Um, I've always been really, really interested in knowing if I could change a moment, or could go back into a moment and then change it, or relive it, or anything like that. Uh, I I could do that, and if I needed to save the world because something happened in a moment that I knew about prior, I could go back and do that.
0: <laughs> okay, I respect. I don't know. You. Yeah. Okay. Weird one. Now, you know, time travel, there are consequences So just, you know, keep that in mind. But I could get, I could get back into the time that
1: I need to be. I wouldn't be stuck. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's a it's a
0: lateral thing. It's a lateral, lateral. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. So it's karaoke night, Rach. You're back on the East Coast. We're going out to hang out. Um, Danielle got her plate because, you know, Danielle needs to have something good to eat to keep her happy. Um, just- what song or rap would you just like body at karaoke night?
1: Well, you know, I don't sing, but I guess if I could bust out a note, oh God, I would definitely, I would do, you probably won't even know who this is, White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane.
0: I have no idea who that is. You were exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: That's, I could be a shoe walk girl on the
0: back. I can be a shoe wop girl like yeah I don't know the words but I support my friend Woo! there you go <laughs> it's,
1: it's only because that's probably one of the few songs because I don't remember lyrics I'm terrible at that that's one of the few songs I actually probably know the lyrics to
0: okay okay and then mm-hmm. last question if you were a coffee since you're at the home of coffee anyway um, what kind of coffee would you be
1: uh, So, this isn't quite a coffee, but it's a technique. I would be a pour over just because pour overs allows you to have the utmost control over the taste of your coffee because you have the beans um, within the filter and then the hot water, and you're able to pour over. That's why it's called a pour over, oh. and it extracts all the flavor of the coffee. Um, it's just a little bit more robust. And so it's more of a quality pour, if you will.
0: Gotcha. You are going to have a hard time adjusting to this East Coast coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Compared to what you have out there. Actually, no. Uh, I lied. They have, have pour-overs. Yeah.
1: I was <laughs> going to say my very first pour-over was in New York. So it's fine.
0: <laughs> There's some good spots. And plus, you should try, Um, even though it's low-key a plug, but not Black Nerd Coffee when you get back. Uh, I have their Ethiopian brew i think it's called really good mm-hmm. very robust like it will wait the best part of waking up is black nerd in your cup low-key <laughs> <laughs> anywho rachel i thank you so much for waking up early with me this morning i forgot what time it is on the west coast but i know seven it's, it's seven now it's seven
1: yeah that was my fault though i told you to wake up early so
0: that's fine that's fine i mean we've been friends for years i will wake up for you everyone else i will reschedule anyway anyway how can people find you whether it's on linkedin um social media if you want to share it it's up to you you don't have to share it but how can people find you to maybe learn more about your work or if they want to have like mentorship to learn from you
1: I would say I'm not huge, huge, huge on social media. So I'll say you can find me at Ray Trae All Day is my Insta handle. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's the only Instagram. Or I guess I use another one, but that's you can use that one. That's okay,
0: they'll use that one. Rach, Rach yep. All Day. Yeah. Well, Rachel, thank you so much, aka Squirrel, because that's how I know you as squirrel.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> thank you so much for joining me for coffee. I love you very much. Oh, I love you, too. I can't wait to see you soon. Can't wait to see you soon, too. All right. Talk to you soon, Rachel. Bye. Bye. See, it wasn't that fun. For me, it was fun because I was talking to one of my dearest friends, you know, and it, it started to feel more like a conversation. I had to remember I have questions I need to ask her. This is not just like a normal chat of us talking. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. To learn more about me and my business, Pink Dollhouse Marketing, check out my website, pinkdollhousemarketing.com, or you can follow my business page on Instagram. It's okay. Slide in my DMs at Pink Marketing. Thank you again to our sponsor, Black Nerd Coffee. I'll chat with you soon. Bye. Coffee with Yvonne is produced and edited by Yvonne Pearson. Coffee with Yvonne is created by Pink Dollhouse Marketing can catch the latest episodes by subscribing to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.